If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Hello and welcome to the audiobook club. This episode will be our final episode of 2022. We're going to be taking a short break over the holiday season and returning in January with some fabulous guests. But first, to see us out with a bang, we are so lucky to be joined by actor, voiceover artist and audiobook narrator Joe Jameson. Joe, thank you so much for joining me on the show. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing very well. Very excited to get into, uh, get into chatting with you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So as we, uh, as we approach Christmas and, and the holiday season, how, is, how has 2022 been treating you so far? It's been all right. Yeah, it's been good. It's been nicely busy. Um, lots of different projects, which has been fun. I think it's the best thing about this job is that no week's the same. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been good. I've actually just been on holiday for three weeks, so I feel very rested. Oh, fantastic. Um, was that Mexico? It's been nice to be out of the booth. It was Mexico, yeah how, yeah. how was that? Tell us about that. Oh, it was so great. Yeah, we had such a good time. Uh, it's just so nice to go away when it's cold and yeah. go somewhere sunny. Um, yeah. So it was a bit of a shock getting back and it being, you know, whatever it is, minus one. But, uh, yeah. oh, it was so great. It was so great. But I've come back feeling, like, really refreshed and now ready to... To do some more audio stuff yeah because your your schedule was crazy um wasn't it before you were you were recording consistently constantly um it was yeah i bet it was uh, i bet it was nice to have a few weeks off uh, yeah i mean I, I think i'm it's been been great this year i think the weirdly covid meant that i set up like a lot of people set up a studio at home mm. and it's kind of then been a real gift because suddenly uh there's an opportunity to to do work when I didn't have that opportunity before. Before it was always like, well, it will require a studio, whereas now actually I can just do bits from home, which is so great. Yeah. Um, so it sort of weirdly ended up being quite a, a kind of a, a strange thing to say, really, isn't it? But like a, a positive thing came out of, of a really horrible time. So, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a busy year, which has been really good. Yeah, absolutely. So you said that, you, so you set up your home studio during COVID. What's kind of your... Um your ratio for recording at home and then recording in studios now that now that we kind of seem to be out of that fingers crossed anyway out of that you know lockdown period i I would say actually it's it's gone back to being much more in studios rather than from home which is definitely my preference um Mm. i like going to studios and seeing people that i haven't seen for ages and you bump into other actors and it's always lovely working with producers directors yeah. Um, I find it a much more enjoyable way of, of doing the job. Uh, apart from anything else, just speaking out loud with nobody listening is, is just quite a strange, <laughs> strange thing to do for a long period of time. And I'm kind of really in awe of people that can just do it from, from home. I, I, I can't kind of, I guess I can't keep my focus as, as long or as well, but it is a really good thing to have as a, as a kind of extra or to do, you know, every now and mm. again, do a book from home. So I'd say it's gone back to being predominantly in studios now, but um, the option to do stuff from home is is really great. And it's also useful for stuff like, you know, if, if at the end of a job you have, you know, five retakes to do rather than having to go all the way to the studio just to say, you know, a handful of lines, yeah. I can just do them from home and send them off or for auditions or anything like that. It's It's been, um, it's a, yeah, been a really invaluable tool. So I feel really lucky that I've been able to make it work in my, in the, you know, the space that I live in, because I guess for lots of 
people you know if you live by a busy road or mm. um you know it's not always easy to to do it but luckily it seems to work in in my in my flat so that's good oh, fantastic did you so you mentioned how working in studios and that sort of having that sociability there working with um you know director producers on site i think it'd be a, a crime not to mention ladbrook audio as an example yeah, yeah so you know working Studio with, number one yeah working <laughs> with uh, you know neil gardner or moors um do you find that working with them on site together um do you find that it does positively um impact your performance and overall experience narrating i think for me it does yeah because i think it's I find it really useful to be able to, you know, if we get to a certain character or perhaps a bit of a story which is, you know, really high energy or I just find it really useful having someone who's listening. And yeah. I think the self-policing that you have to do when you are a one-man band doing the recording, having to make sure that you're not making too many mistakes, saying things in the right way, making sure you're doing the right voice for the right character... Yeah, I just find if I can, if there's someone else, you know, Moz or Neil, for example, at Labrook, who's who's listening out for that stuff, it can it just means that I can focus on on the story. Um, so I think I I think from that point of view, I find it really really helpful. I think also it's just it's you know when you stop for a break after reading for an hour and a half, it's just nice to have someone else to chat to, yeah. <laughs> rather than kind of just going out into a quiet room. I just I I find it really difficult, but um, yeah. So, but I, you know, like I say, I think a balance is would is great. Like the occasional book from home is is lovely. To not have to leave the, not have to leave yeah. the flat and commute is great. So, a bit of both, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think because I work mostly from uh, from my home studio. Um, yeah. I live in like the rural countryside. Um, yeah, what are you north. saying? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I just um, I think sometimes it's nice because sometimes you don't necessarily want to engage in communication, but that's yeah. that, you know most yeah. of the time I sort of find myself you know dreaming <laughs> i wish i wish someone was outside <laughs> yeah. the class um you were so when working from um home you know during covid and all uh, on, on those projects where you are from home are you are you a person who benefits from like a solid structure when working or do you like to sort of free yourself up a little bit uh no i think i am a structure person well i think i'm a structure person but um like I need to set the boundaries of that structure. Like I think mm. I'd be terrible at a Monday to Friday nine to five. I I just I think I'd be really bad at that. I I think I'd get bored so quickly. Like I say, I love that every week of this job is different. It's yeah. a different story. It's possibly a different studio. It's um, different people. Um, but I do think I I I do think structure is is important to me. I think I think if I I think another reason why I think. Um, I think another reason why working in studios is better for me is because you have someone who goes, right, come on, Joe, let's do two more chapters. Whereas I think yeah. when I'm at home, it's so easy to go, oh, I'm going to be late on this project, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll just, yeah. I'll send it a couple of days late and I'll pick it up tomorrow. The the kind of discipline that is required for audiobooks, because it, it is, you know, it's it's a lot yeah. of words to say, yeah. um, I think is really important to me, yeah. I think it's like when you can when you can see in like real life like that it's not just your day you know when you're in a studio it's you know there you know you, there's another person there and it's exactly it's there yeah. where they, you don't kind of you know you want to sort of show your best self I guess yeah and also you you know it's much you know that there's an editor waiting for those files and yeah but if you're by yourself you can sort of trick yourself into being like well that's okay I'll leave it till tomorrow <laughs> I'm tired because um, it is tiring right like it's, it's oh yeah. Uh, it's a, I remember the first time I did an audiobook, uh, just when I'd left drama school, and um, I was working at uh, Audio Go in 
uh, in Bath, which is where I'm from. And so I was staying with my, my parents and I went home after the first day completely exhausted. And my mum just didn't get it. She was like, I don't understand. You've just been reading a book all day. Like, what, how is that tiring? <laughs> and I guess I was a bit confused by that as well. I was like, yeah, you're right. But I think it's just the concentration that's required is just... It just does mean at the end of the day, you are just completely exhausted, aren't you? It's like, oh, yeah, the brain power that's needed is kind of mad. It's one of those weird jobs as well. I think that it's that like you only find out how difficult it is after doing it for that first time. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. I find, you know, I know there's lots of different sort of ways and tests that you can kind of simulate um, narrating, yeah. but we're nothing compares to actually having to do it and these eyes on you. And there's, yeah, um, yeah, you don't totally. really, you don't realize how much it. It takes. You mentioned um, you mentioned drama school there and being from Bath. I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about your background. Could you could you tell us about you know how you found performing and acting and and that love for for performing and acting and and began to pursue that as a creative career? Yeah, I I um I came to it quite late actually. Well, I, as in I wasn't a kid who who acted since they were you know born. I yeah. I started when I was about sixteen, I think. Um, and really loved it and in that in those kind of last two years of school sort of thought I wonder if I could do this as a career and everyone sort of very supportively but everyone sort of said oh it's tough you know I, yeah. I don't know I don't know if this is and so I thought well I'll try auditioning for drama school but I I almost certainly won't get in and then I'll try and go to union and, and if I if I then still want to do it in three years I can try again and I honestly think that helped me get into drama school because I think I had no Kind of there was no kind of pressure on myself or expectation yeah. i just sort of went along thinking well i'll just see what it's about and i think that must have helped me massively so then i found myself at drama school 18 and and then i guess when i left drama school i, I worked as an actor for about eight years and did a lot of stage stuff um but i always did audio on the side but i very much saw it i think incorrectly as like a thing to do when you're between acting jobs yeah and then in the last sort of in I guess like a couple of years before I stopped acting I really started to really really love the audio stuff and I started to think actually I love this world it's full of lovely people it's so creative but without a lot of the the kind of politics and mm. dramas and egos that come that can exist in the acting world the people are lovely you get to play parts you'd never get to play in real life um and just generally the lifestyle is just a, a little bit nicer and would I maybe like to just try doing just this for a bit and yeah. so I think it was 2017 I stopped acting and I, I sort of thought well I'll focus on voice stuff and within like a couple of months I was like yeah this is what I this is what I want to do and it was uh yeah it was a really good decision I think. On that first like audio but narrated gig did you you know it's a narration gig did you how did that first job come about was it just was you just offered it um, while you were doing something else and thought, oh, I'll give it a try? No, I th think uh, I think I wrote to them. Uh, so Audio Go, used to, they're not there anymore, but they used to be in Bath. And I can't quite remember, but I think I wrote to them and said, although I live in London, I'm from Bath, so I'm, I'm a local actor. I'd love to do an audio book for you if that, you know, and I think I must have sent them my, my voice reel or something. And uh, yeah, and then I did my first book there. I remember it was a kid's book um, or like a young adult book uh, called, I think it was called 5050. Uh, and I loved it. I just loved it. It was great. And I, I've got a younger brother and sister and I grew up, they're about six, seven years younger than me. And when we were all kids, I read, I used to read the Harry Potter books to them. Yeah. And I did all the voices and 
Um, and I think that's where my sort of love of of audiobooks was probably born. Yeah. Because um, I just loved doing all the voices and playing all the characters and um, and telling the story. And so I remember I remember that first job at AudioGo thinking, this is mad that this could be a this I can get paid for this. Like, this is this is cool. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I kept working for them. And then I guess like anything, you you make contacts and you meet other people, and then you start working at other studios, and and it kind of snowballed from there really. Do you find it do you find it freeing as an actor working on audiobooks because that you can take you know you can make certain decisions for characters you can make certain decisions for like the tone and that be you know your your sort of way to be creative that perhaps you couldn't do on stage or or on screen and things is that would you say that kind of resonates with your experience of narration I guess so yeah like I guess it's freeing in the sense that you are the driver of the story it's it's kind of it's your interpretation of the story and because you read the whole thing from start to finish mm. i guess in that sense it is it is really liberating there are definitely times where i think oh it would be so fun to you know rehearse this book yeah. and have a director and think oh do you know what i'm going to try this scene again and i'm going to do it this way in the way that you do when you're rehearsing a play or when you're obviously you know that isn't really possible and I'm sure I'd, I sure, I'm sure I say that I would love that. I'm sure after a while I'd be like, oh, just let me get on with it and read the book. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think it's quite, a, it's quite a mad thing to read an entire book from from start to finish and to play all the characters, and especially if you, you know, like doing like a fantasy thing where there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different characters, and I have to have like spreadsheets with <laughs> you know, all the characters and color coded and working out all their different voices. I mean, that's so fun, right? Like that's yeah. You'd never get to do that on stage or on screen. So I think from that point of view, yeah, it's it's really liberating. With um with capturing the tone of characters creating voices for them, um, etc. Ha- have you a specific process for for this? Are you are you one of those folks who like, you know, hears an interesting voice while you're out and about and think, I'm I'm gonna have that or, or you know, how how is your what, what is your process for, for creating voices for characters? Yeah, I don't know. I I used to think at one point I remember thinking, oh, I should try and like create a little bank of voices that I've used, so that I, and then kind of describe them, so that I can always come back to them. But I think yeah. when I'm prepping a book, I think they tend to just come quite instinctively to mm. me. I, I'm I'm sure that I, in fact, I know that I definitely recycle a lot, a lot of the same voices for certain things. Um, but I think you can find subtle differences depending on you know the background of the character, the attitude of the character, also the kind of tone of the of the book and the tone of that particular chapter. I think some books really lend themselves to kind of to kind of doing big voices. Like fantasy stuff is great because you kind of can't go wrong. Like mm. it's you can go as big as you like, and it probably won't sound too silly. Um, I guess if you have a, a you know a kind of a fiction book that's kind of much more subtle and nuanced than that then maybe yeah. it's not actually about the voice it's kind of more about the the tone and the story but yeah I, I don't think I really have a process I think I just um when I'm prepping the book I think they they kind of especially if it's well written the the kind of author does it for you in a way yeah yeah I know exactly what you mean I think it's sort of especially when you have um you know and you have a great author or you know a great team uh, to, to to discuss the characters and things it, it does allow it things to come up more organically and yeah i tried to do that um i think i was listening to mark gatis talk about voices for characters and he was he's a person who um you know sort of banks real voices that he'll hear 
And oh, I kind does of, it? Yeah, and I, and I kind of, um, you know, for is it a League of Gentlemen for the voices that? Yeah. But that show, he would go and you know he'd hear someone on the bus, you know, with a like a, an interesting voice and sort of bank it. So I try to kind of keep my ear out, but I've ne- I've never once I th- I've never I've never once been able to uh, to, to use yeah <laughs> to use that um, approach. Uh, so I w- just- I mean I wish I could do that. I I I'm always really in awe of people who are able to like kind of like impressionists who are able to hear a voice and then and then kind of mimic it. I I yes. don't think I'm very good at that. I think I have to. I can kind of take an essence of someone, but I I just I can't mimic people in in that way. I think it's such an amazing skill. Yeah. Um so I think mine have to be created from somewhere within me. But you know like I'll I'll often take kind of inspiration from stuff like um you know an old man voice might I might put a bit of you know Dumbledore in there or like have that as like you know my sort of yeah. motivation or my inspiration but it won't sound like Richard Harris as Dumbledore but it might be my yeah. the kind of self direction I give myself I guess. It's sort of like that trigger to get you into that part. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. When um so I guess that we we talked about mimicking there. And I guess when approaching accents, there is a sort of mimicking there that does let you know, lend itself to to that sort of skill. When yeah. when when approaching accents, perhaps ones that, you know, you may not be a hundred percent like, you know, comfortable with or maybe ones that you haven't performed that much before, have you got a process of, of kind of getting getting a new accent down? Um, I guess trying to trying to li- if it's an accent that I'm not hugely comfortable with, then I try in the kind of run up to recording to listen to as much of somebody speaking in the accent as I can. Mm. Um, again, I don't think I'm very, you know, my, my, I'm sure all my teachers from drama school would tell me that I should be, you know, looking at the phonetics and and yeah. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. that stuff. But <laughs> I, I just I don't really do it like that. I just I I think I just have to listen and try and um and then try and and get it right i mean i i think i think accents has always come quite naturally to me again growing up i think i I used to try and do accents a lot as a kid yeah um never really in front of people but i i definitely kind of tried to do accents and stuff so i think that they have come quite naturally to me and i think the ones that don't yeah in order to kind of learn them i think i just have to listen and listen and listen and listen and listen yeah and you know it's one of those things where like if if I was offered a book where I would where the whole book was you know me doing a French accent, I'd probably say, "Ooh, <laughs> I'm probably not the right guy for this." Um, but you know, if there's a kind of secondary character, then yeah, you just have to kind of listen and and do your best. I mean, at the end of the day, you're you're a one man band trying to uh, play all the different parts. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm sure that in most of the books I've done, I've done some dodgy accents, um, <laughs> but hopefully you're just telling the story as best you can, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think also, um, I mean, when you um, when when you're recording in a studio, do you ever sort of lend, uh, you know, sort of do you ever ask out to the director producer who's there and talk through a, an accent or a voice, or by the time yeah. that you, you know, do you do that, or like, um, or do you kind of pretty much dialed in by the time you're at that point? Well, the worst is if you're trying to do an accent of the which the director or producer has. Like if it's their native <laughs> accent and you're like, oh God, now I've got to do it in front of you. But at least then you can say, how was that? And yeah. hopefully they can very honestly say, nah, try again. Or yeah, it was fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, like having another ear is, is always really useful. Um, uh, so yeah, like all, all the help you can get, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You have, um, you have, and continue to um, narrate some amazing titles uh, of varying genres. 
Um, it can be common for narrators to do the majority of their work inside a singular or or at least a brief net of genres. Um, but you've had great success uh, across the board as well as both you know fiction and nonfiction. So that, my question is, or, or two questions really, was it an active choice to diversify your narration gigs? And do you think it's important for narrators to dip their toe into genres they may not be working in very often? No, I don't think it was an active choice. I think for a long time it was, you know, I was taking whatever work I was offered, really. It was just like, yeah. oh, ma- amazing, great. Uh, yeah, book it in. Um and I started out doing lots and lots of young, like kids books and young adult stuff, um, mm-hmm. which I loved. I really loved. And then I think the nonfiction stuff I, I really, in- I mean, for me, for me, I obviously now love that uh, I get to do lots of different genres because it's just more fun, right? If you're not doing the same thing oh, yeah. over and over again. Yeah. And I think like the, the tone of an audiobook um, of a nonfiction audiobook is obviously very different to like a young adult kids adventure book. Mm. Um, and so it almost feels like a different skill or a different job um so now i think yeah the more diverse the better um fantasy i love doing because it's you know you get to play a whole cast of characters like i said but the downside to a fantasy book is the prep is massive because you've got so many characters to figure out and there's often loads of weird pronunciations um and so you know if it was if you were always doing fantasy it would be you know hard work and time consuming whereas like kids books tend to be a bit easier and so yeah like i i i definitely think like the the more variety you can get the better and then apart from anything else it keeps it fresh so hopefully you're you know you don't sound like you're really bored <laughs> doing a, you know 15th romantic comedy that you know you've done that year or whatever yeah um but it certainly wasn't like an active decision i think i think you know i mean like most people in this industry it's it's have to just take the work as it comes and yeah often you just get thrown the the books you get i think you know a lot of publishers do tend to pigeonhole you so you kind of go you know from certain publishers i only get like fantasy books and certain publishers i only get non-fiction books and you sort of think mm-hmm. oh it'd be great if you you know if you guys could see that i also do other things um, <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah i mean the more variety the better yeah do you find yourself when when um I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be necessarily nonfiction. Um, but like when you, when you know, if you if you're reading like a string of nonfictions, or maybe one that um, has perhaps sat with you for a while, do you find are you do you find yourself kind of going around and telling everyone what you've learned? Um, no, do you know, the, weir- <laughs> the weirdest thing I find. I don't know if you find this, but I find that I forget the things I've narrated instantly. It's so weird. <laughs> Honestly, like I've been for dinner the night I finished a a, a job, and someone said, "Oh, so what were you doing today?" And I think I have no idea. I can't remember. <laughs> it's really bizarre. So it's frustrating for nonfiction because when I first started doing nonfiction, I thought, "Oh, this will be great. I'll learn so much. Like, what a treat to get paid to." I, I honestly like I, I can't remember any of the stuff I think it must be because I'm concentrating so hard on saying the right words in the right order with the right inflection yeah and, you know telling the story that that my the the part of my brain that is required to like maintain and re- retain that information yes is just is is asleep yeah yeah <laughs> So <laughs> I know I know I know exactly what you mean with that I think I'm I'm quite good I have I have quite a good recent memory um, yeah, like, you know, I can I can sort of remember the last sort of three to four books I've done, but anything over right. that, it, it, then it just passes into the threshold and just. <laughs> yeah, someone like, will say, "Oh, you narrated a book about this," and I think, "Are you sure that was me? Did I? <laughs> I don't think I did. No, you did. It's got your name here. Oh, right, okay." <laughs> yeah, I, 
I was going to, I had to write out a lot of, um, a few titles. Um, so I went on to like the, you know, Audible and um, to to look at the stuff that I'd done. And about half of them, I was thinking, are you sure that's me? Did I yeah. do that? <laughs> when did, when yeah. did I do that? It's so strange. <laughs> it's really bizarre. <laughs> when I um when I had the the, the privilege of, of of gate crashing one of your recording sessions uh, at Ladbrook, yeah. I couldn't help um but notice how the the manuscript was marked up. Um, could you give us like a, a bit of a rundown of your pre production process? You know what you annotate, um, how long you dedicate to prep, etc. Yeah, I mean, I wish that I could be one of those actors who who doesn't need to prep very much. Um, because it would save me a lot of time but I I just have to prep thoroughly um, I hate going into a recording and it has happened of course when you know time constraints I hate going into recording not feeling prepped and ready mm. um, only because of you know all those stories about you know people who haven't prepped and then they get to the end and find out the protagonist should have been you know Scottish yeah. and you've made them yeah. Welsh or whatever um, I live in fear of that happening so I, I just I really like to prep thoroughly Um and so I always, I have a little spreadsheet and I just always write any character information uh, when I'm prepping on the spreadsheet and I highlight all the characters. And if it says that they say the line by, you know, muttering dismissively, I'll circle that so that I can see that's how to say it. Mm. Because I think as well, another thing that I find really helpful to me is if I can have a flow on the story and not have to stop all the time and have to stop and pick up a sentence or have to stop and go, oh, wait, how does he say that? And who's saying this? I just find that it throws me off and I find the process quite hard work that way. Mm. So I just always try and, and prep really, really thoroughly. Um, it's just, I think it's just how it works for me. I tried uh, last year, I, tr- I sort of did an experiment and tried to skim read a book before I recorded it, thinking, let's see if I can do this now. And I really couldn't. <laughs> I just really <laughs> couldn't. I found recording the project just horrible, really horrible. I was sort of on edge the whole way through thinking, oh God, what am I going to find out about this character next? And oh, this voice now doesn't feel right for this character. And yeah. Um, so yeah, I I just I just I'm one of those people. I just have to prep really thoroughly. So do you um are you prepping a book while you're recording the other one, like on the evenings and stuff, or do you dedicate like time during the day to prep? So I try to keep a little bit of uh a little bit of routine by trying not to work in the evenings and the weekends so much. So I try to like keep some days free where I I know I can prep, mm. um, which isn't always possible, and obviously sometimes I you know I have to, but yeah I try and keep some time free to go. Okay, today I'm going to prep this, um, and I try to do it quite close to the recording because then it's sort of fresh in your mind. Um, again, that isn't always possible because of scheduling stuff, I guess. But yeah, uh, I think that's ten. That tends to be how I how I, I work my agent will sometimes say like oh we can fit it in we can fit in that book here and I sort of think oh but then I've got no time to prep the one after so I think I'm gonna need those days so no we can't do that yeah um again another great reason to be able to not prep because you could potentially fit in more work but I just I just don't work like that I think also it just allows you to to kind of be a, a feel a little bit more confident in the material and a little bit more relaxed if yeah. you know, if you know, if you if you're fully on board with what you're doing, um, exactly. Yeah, it's like I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't go on stage, not having kind of rehearsed it. And so, yeah. even though I don't rehearse it, it's good to have at least read it. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. Yeah, 
exactly yeah. that you know the you know what you're going to be doing in that day you've got you know you kind of you've gone over it in your head and it's um i get you know and it's, it's also i guess uh respectful to to those that you're working with also um you yeah, know that you don't so, have to spend yeah. like the first sort of half an hour hour kind of getting you know sort of thinking right who's this character now and who's this yeah and and you know some some actors are brilliant at being at kind of instinctively knowing that well, they, they you know they can have a quick skim through and say, well, this is the style of this book. Yeah, uh, this is the protagonist. I I know what I'm going to do, um, and they can absolutely nail it. And that's that's so great. I, it's just not a skill I possess. Sadly. Do you think? Do you think that's a skill that's that's brought? And, and I, I was saying this, but you've done you've done lots of you know loads of books as well. But I was going to say is that do you think it's a, a skill that's brought on by narrating you know so many titles? Or do you think it's I mean, just something? I was that... hoping so, but apparently not. <laughs> um, yeah, apparently not. I mean, I don't know if it's like a perfectionism thing, and if I could just let go of that, then, yeah. um, then you know, it would be fine. I, I mean, to be honest, I also I really enjoy prepping. Like it's um, it's like quite a nice part of my job. I get paid to sit and read a book, which is kind of lovely. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I, I mean, like I say, I tried, I did try. And for certain things, you you can do it. Like I can, if it's like, like I'm about to do a series, I'm about to do the next in a series of books, which is, I think we're on number 11. And so the characters are kind of established. And in that sense, it's easier to not have to prep as hard because you don't have to prep as, as kind of thoroughly because you kind of know all these characters already. And there might be a few new ones, but you can sort of figure those ones out. So those sorts of books, I guess I can get away with prepping kind of in less detail. But, you mm. know, certainly when I, if I start like a new fantasy series or something, it's like, right, I've got to sit down and and figure this out because there's going to mm. be a lot of characters. And um, and also if it's the start of a series, you're going to be with them for a while. So yeah, you need to make the right choices. Yeah. How do you find that your prep changes when or do you find it it changes when prepping for non-fiction yeah uh it becomes much more about just finding pronunciations i find when i'm doing non-fiction hmm. uh i think it's actually a, a lot easier unless it's an incredibly dense subject i did a non-fiction book about the science of sleep recently or probably a year ago actually uh and it was really dense and quite academic and yeah. actually I found that I did have to prep that quite hard because I wanted to kind of there were a lot of places where I had to really make sense of the sentence in my head yeah. so that when I got to it it was kind of I, I could see from my annotations exactly where to hit you know which stress to hit and where yeah. to pause and all that stuff but actually a lot of non-fiction I think you can get away with almost sight reading it as long as you found the pronunciations for words that you might not necessarily know especially if it's like you know, um, often often the big one that I find is like medical terms where you're like, oh, I, I have yeah. no idea how you say that. I have to find that. Um, so in th- so sometimes I think it's a lot easier, but then you can also get nonfiction books where there are like thousands of pronunciations to check. And that's like a whole different level of, of, um, of prepping because it's yeah. just like, oh, you know, get onto how do you say dot com and and you know typing in hundreds of words and then and then add, adding them to your script um <laughs> isn't the most fun no i know i know what you mean like with anything <laughs> so any anything medical and then you kind of thinking how many parts of the brain are there yeah <laughs> i know and i'm probably saying it wrong as well like you, you know even yeah. though i've checked it it's probably wrong 
Yeah. Um. <laughs> Working on, um, on, on so many audiobook titles and with the biggest names of publication, um, whenever getting the chance, I always like to ask, do you have any advice on um, what up-and-coming narrators can do if given their first or when given their first opportunity to produce a title for one of the, one of the big names in order to make a, a great impression and increase their chances of being asked back? Uh, I, th- I mean, I think my big, my big piece of advice would be to prep really thoroughly. Cause I think if you, if you prep really thoroughly and you have essentially done the work, um, before you get there, then, uh, that can only be an, an impressive thing and a good thing. And it puts you in, mm-hmm. in really good stead to, uh, you know, p- publishers want to work with people who, who a, are not going to take three days longer in the studio than they had booked. Right. Cause yeah. If they've got, if you've got a book that's however many words, and they book you for three days, and you haven't really done the prep, so it actually takes you five days. That's cost them two days in the studio. So, I definitely think do the prep, do the prep, do the prep. Um, yeah. And then, I guess I don't know what other advice I would give. I mean, I always just think like, be a nice person. <laughs> like, <laughs> really important. Like the. My favorite thing about working in audio is that generally people are so, so lovely. Like there's, my experience of it, there's so little ego in, in the voiceover world, which wasn't necessarily always my experience of the acting world. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because everyone in the audio world is kind of aware that like, it's it's not really that show busy. It's not particularly glamorous. Um, yeah. We're just, we're in front of microphones telling stories. And so, yeah. um yeah i just think it's it's full of lovely people so so be a be a lovely person and if you work hard and you're a nice person to work with then you know in theory you should get hired again yeah i know what you mean i don't know because i i've found very similar uh things especially you know where the majority of people are just so lovely and i don't know whether it's because you know in this industry they don't necessarily get all the credit they deserve and they don't get the glory of you know, like a film or or anything like that. So you just find yeah. people who really love what they do and are really yeah. passionate about turning up every day and, and, and creating quality audio, you know? Yeah. And I think also it's like, it feels like more of a collaboration than, than I think. Like when you're on stage or, or on screen stuff, like it can feel like the actor is the kind of, is front and centre and is, you know, is the kind of the star, if you like. Whereas I think mm. with audio stuff, it's, you know, there are so many people involved. There's the obviously the writers of the books then you've got yeah. the producers the editors the proofers they might be like sound designers um you've got every you've got the um people in the, in the studio like you've got ev- so many people are involved in making it that mm. i just think it feels like more of a, a collaboration than than other things can so yeah i don't know it just feels like there's no there's no need for any ego because you know <laughs> yeah. everyone's just doing their thing yeah absolutely what do you um what do you find is the most challenging part of audiobook narration? Um, I think the long days of recording can be quite tough when you're on like day five of a, you know, epic. Um, and you just think, I don't want to read this anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no desire to be here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you can't, you know, you can't, you, have, you can't switch it off. You have to keep the story alive. And I often find as well that by day five, day five is when the, you know, the energy of the story is really ramping up. So you actually have to be kind of most on it then. Um, yeah. I guess it can be quite a lonely job sometimes. Um, 
so that can be kind of hard which is again i think why i like going to studios uh one thing i do miss from acting is is the like camaraderie of being in a company mm-hmm. um and you sort of befriend these people who are your kind of best mates for six months and then you will go off again and you join another company and you like i i do miss that element of it but um so yeah i guess i guess kind of those two i guess kind of those two things really yeah no that's that's fair as um as well as narrating bestsellers and the rest of it you've also um of course acted and supplied voiceover for bbc radio 4 uh, radio plays corporate voiceover uh, and video games just to name a few uh, these are areas that i know many of our listeners are wanting to explore have you any advice on how to branch out to these areas of 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 work should should we be you know should seeking representation be the focus is there anything that we can that we can do to to help ourselves branch out um uh, let me it's a lot of knocking on doors i think uh and so i mean representation is obviously massively helpful for that i think mm-hmm. i got into video games i mean i was trying to get into video games for years and was writing to people and um meeting people and and you know not really getting anywhere and then my my brilliant agent did get me through the door um so i just think it's a lot of knocking on doors and mm. and once you knock, knock on them and you know if you do a good job then hopefully they they keep asking you back so yeah i i, I just I, it's it's relentless it's one of the hardest things about the industry is the frustration of like being on the outside looking in going i know i could do this job i really know i could do it yeah i just need like someone to open the door for me and um so i just yeah i think it's a lot of a lot of knocking on doors having a good uh, a good voice reel i think is is really important um I mean, I always hear multiple, loads of different advice about what you should have on your voice reel. So I, I don't pretend to know what the right answer is there. But <laughs> I guess like, you know, having a voice reel that sells your voice and what you can do, I, I think is really helpful. I just think, yeah, knocking on doors. Did you actively set out to, to network um, and, and, you know, find those people and, and meet those, you know, make those connections? A bit. I mean, I... I'm I'm kind of terrible at networking. Like I I really um I find <laughs> I just find it all very uh I just find it a bit awkward because I I feel like you sort of in those environments you know you, you sort of both know what's going on, which is that one of you wants to work for the other one, and you're kind of trying to be nice to each other. And I just find it all a bit <laughs> find it all a bit cringe. Yeah. Um, so I I'm absolutely not very good at it. But I guess it's like when you get an opportunity. If you have an if you have an audition somewhere and the casting director's there, then you know just kind of trying to have a chat with them and and try and find a way for them to remember you. And I guess like I, I honestly don't think I have like advice for that. Like I just think take the opportunities if they come. But some people are brilliant at networking, and I'm, I've watched like, one of my friends is amazing at it, and he he does it like at a Christmas party or something. He he can work the room, and it comes across yeah. so naturally and. Um, and it, it's a ama- it's an amazing skill, another skill that I just don't have. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I, I mean, I wrote I wrote lo- to lots of people, which I I think is is great. Like I I don't think that you've got nothing to lose by doing that, um, as long as you're not writing every week. You know, yeah, writing and just being like, look, this is me. Here's my reel. Like I'd love to work for you, um, and eventually someone answers and you get an mm. opportunity and then take it from there i guess yeah yeah absolutely what um what may we find you doing during a period of downtime have have you got any sort of hobbies or activities that you 
that you like to do to keep you sane through a, a busy work schedule? So I, I always, I mean, I hate doing it in minus one temperatures, but I always try and cycle to studios. Like I love okay. cycling and uh, I find that before a session and after a session, it's so good for like, you know, because you're sat in a dark, in a dark room all day, right? Like it's yeah. um, pretty sedentary. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big cyclist. So I, I really love that. And that was one of the things I found hardest about lockdown was um, actually the, the like not commuting, <laughs> kind of waking up. <laughs> mm. and, and so actually my, my flatmate at the time and I uh, sometimes during lockdown would just do a sort of fake commute and go off and cycle from our house back to our house. Just so oh, right. Kind of, I just found it really... Um, just sort of cleared my head which was really yeah. nice uh so yeah um i guess yeah cy- cycling before and after a session i find really great i think that's um that's interesting that you said uh, you sort of simulated a commute um because yeah. that's uh, that's what i i've started to do um, my, myself yeah um because yeah. my, 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 my you know I'm, I'm sort of always a little envious when my partner gets in the car and, and goes off to work she sort of has yeah. like tw- she has like 20 minutes to get herself in the zone and you know, yeah. sep- separate you know your your living room that you know to separate your house to your to your working space so yeah, yeah i started i started to do like a little little walk around the block trying to get you can start to like trick your brain can't you and be like yeah. right we're off to work like off we go yeah. <laughs> oh we're back at home right here we go yeah and then yeah, yeah and then you uh, were <laughs> then you just sat down and just try and, try and pretend that it's done something yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um, we have uh, we have time for just uh, one more question if that's okay um it's been uh, been such a pleasure to talk to you um oh, to finish us off me. um to finish us off is there is there any upcoming projects anything approaching in the diary that you're you're excited about you can use christmas as well if you <laughs> <laughs> i'm actually about to do um three books for uh, labrook which will be really fun oh fantastic um, one before christmas and, and two after it's a uh, a series by james craig uh that we I started I think like maybe seven years ago and we're on to books I think this is 12 13 and 14 and they're really good fun they're sort of crime books he's a, it's about an inspector and a guy called Inspector Carlisle and every yeah. story is different um and so yeah I'll be down at Labrook with with Moz and, and Neil which will be really fun so that's the end of my year into the beginning of next year oh nice nice the, uh, do you have any um, any any links or, or you know any anywhere that you'd like to direct people to go check out? Uh, I do have a website. I'm so bad at updating it. Um, <laughs> I don't even think I know what the address is. I think it's joejameson.co.uk, uh, but I might be wrong. And I'm I also have social media, which I'm also terrible at using. It's my New Year's resolution is to try and get better at it because I, <laughs> I I'm just so scared of it. I'm not very good at yeah. it. Um, and some people are so good at it, and I think, oh, how do you? But someone pointed out to me, you just have to schedule some time. Like it is a business tool. Like it's a really useful tool. Yeah. And I think I, I yeah, I'm a bit scared of it. So I need to get better at it. But I am on social media again. I have no idea what my, um, <laughs> what do you even say? Handle my handle is. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's I think it might be Joe, just Joe Jameson. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, it's out there somewhere. Well, uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll post all of uh, the links to social media accounts and websites okay, um, cool. in, the, in the description. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that just about does it for this episode of the Audiobook Club. Uh, thank you so much, Joe, for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks, John. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. You're more than welcome. Have a, uh, have a fantastic uh, holiday season and uh, yeah, good luck with everything. You too. I'll see you soon. Frustrated by the royalty rates for your audiobook? 
annoyed that when the digital distributors say 70% royalties, they actually mean 70% of 50% or 80% of 70%, neither of which is an actual 70%. Wishing there was a way to cut out the middleman, yet you want your audiobook listeners to have a smooth and positive experience, and a direct download sale from your website won't deliver that. We at Pro Audio Voices hear you. Out of our commitment to our author clients, we've created Amplify, a program that provides an actual 65% of the sales price that you set, that gives you access to your customers' names and emails so you can reconnect with them, and keeps you in the driver's seat. Check it out at ProAudioVoices.com. You'll find Amplify in the marketing menu. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.